Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. If you're striving to live a perfect life, I'm going to tell you right now, the best thing you could do to yourself is just realize you can't be perfect. And in fact, your efforts to try to be perfect is probably sinful because that's pride and that's arrogance. And you just got to surrender and be like, you know what, Lord, this is who I am. I'm sorry. And then you just keep telling sorry every single day if you have to. Just own it. But you got to be free. You got to be free. Set free. Perfection can only be found in the grace of Jesus. He alone was able to live a sinless life. And he carried the burden of punishment for our sin when he died on the cross. In today's message, Pastor James will clarify that we can never be fully righteous in this life. We need redemption every single day. You're going to fall back into sin at times. And if you examine your life closely, you could find transgressions every day. Live in humility and acknowledge your weaknesses and need for God. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Leviticus chapter 23 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. Leviticus chapter 23, if you don't mind turning there. So when I was growing up, I used to think, I will never go to church. I do not want to be one of those Christian people because I like to party, and that's all I ever did. That's all we did was party. And all I could think about was church people. I didn't call them Christians, and I just knew them as church people. They don't party. They don't know how to have a good time. They're the saddest, grumpiest, most judgmental people on this planet. And then I got saved, and I'm like, and then I'm still thinking, what's wrong with the church? We should be the most partying people in the proper realm, right? Like, but we, it's just a celebration, man. People getting saved all the time on this planet. Heaven's like, we got no problem partying. The church is like, we don't do that. Now I'm like, I can't wait to get to heaven because I think there's going to be a lot of people who are like, am I in the right place? Because there's, there's this partying going on all the time up here. Yeah, it's celebration. I love that God is a God of celebration. Celebration. Are there sad times? Are there difficult times? Absolutely. But we can still rejoice in the midst of trials and tribulations. And for the nation of Israel, they are camped out at the, mount, or the, the base of, the, of Mount Sinai. They just got kind of, you know, uh, a little bit of a spiritual spanking from God because, well, they rebelled. I don't know if you remember this or not, but they built a golden calf because Moses was up on the mount forever. And then they thought like, well, he's gone. So let's just, let's make a God that resembles the God of the world that we just left. And we'll just worship that thing, (laughs) right? After God Almighty just got us through the Red Sea, miraculously, um, and protected us in the midst of all those plagues that he poured out on Egypt, so all these things have been going on, and now at the, at the base of Mount Sinai, the Lord is dishing out things. And this is what we've been going through as we go through Leviticus, is God's rules for worship. Uh, we worship him appropriately, and, uh, and he establishes these festivals, these, uh, these feasts. He is the one who instituted these things. Israel did not make these up. 
Mankind did not invent these things. These are festivals that were created by God and appointed by God to happen at certain times throughout the year. And when you look at the big picture, you see that he is so brilliant in his timing, so incredibly brilliant. When you read the New Testament, you're like, just like that video was saying, oh, on that day, the Passover lamb was slaughtered. Oh, on that day, the Feast of Unleavened Bread was fulfilled. Oh, on that day, I mean, you just, we have four that Jesus fulfilled during his time on this planet. Amazing, brilliant, beautiful stuff. Look at verse one. The Lord says to Moses, give the following instructions to the people of Israel. These are the Lord's appointed festivals. Festivals, um, an appointment, a fixed time or a season. That's technically what that means there which you're to proclaim as official days for holy assembly. Obviously, I'm reading from New Living Translation, so I'll try to help out with some terminology there because yours may say other things, and I get that. Convocation um, may be the word. Assembly, according to the Hebrew, means a called-out public meeting is what that's talking about. Um, A public meeting, a public gathering of these individuals who have been called out. They've been set aside. Verse three, you have six days each week to perform uh, or for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of complete rest. It is, an official, it is an official day for holy assembly. So you can technically count the Sabbath in on these little celebration days. It is the Lord's Sabbath day, and it must be observed wherever you live. In addition to the Sabbath, these are the Lord's appointed festivals the official days for holy assembly that are to be celebrated at their proper times each year, okay? So we're gonna go through them. The the first two are are connected. They're not, we can't merge them together because they're two distinct events, okay? Uh, So they are two separate things, but they happen one day right after the other. You have Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. It says the Lord's Passover begins at sundown on the 14th day of the first month. On the next day, the 15th day of the month, you must begin celebrating the festival of unleavened bread, right? So just pause for a second. We go back into the book of Exodus, and that is when the Passover lamb happened. The Lord had already instructed his people, prepare your stuff, prepare to move, prepare to go. You know, don't don't make the leavened bread, you know, your cinnamon rolls and all that fun stuff that you have to allow the dough to rise. He's like, you don't have time for that. Now, in leaven, we understand as well, is, is, is symbolic of sin as well, right? So we'll see that as we go through this. But you don't have time for that. You, you got to make your bread, unleavened bread. And, and again, like on the video that he, he was discussing, Jesus was sinless. He was leavenless. He was the unleavened bread. He said, I'm the bread of life. And that's true. But he's not like the Mrs. Baird's loaf of bread, you know, at the store that you and I love so much with all that leaven, right? No, Jesus was the unleavened version of that bread, okay? But this Passover was, we saw that first in Exodus chapter 11, 11 through 13 is where that, that took place. Now, as far as the, the month um, of when this starts, this is Nisan, uh, N-I-S-A-N. So this is around Nisan 14, typically, the 14th day of the month, so there you go. That's, that's when the first festival starts, okay? And again, the guy on the video was talking about how, you know, the different, you know, basing these things on uh, the moon, new moon and all that good stuff, which is also why throughout the year, Easter is not on the same 
Sunday of the same month of every year, right? So, so we have this festival that's being established as this is something you will celebrate at this time every single year, no matter where you are, you will celebrate this, okay? Um, you got the Passover and then the unleavened bread. It says this festival will continue or continues for seven days. And during that time, the bread you eat must be made without yeast. On the first day of the festival, all the people must stop doing their ordinary work and observe the official day for a holy assembly. For seven days, you must prepare or present special gifts to the Lord. On the seventh day, the people must Again, stop all their ordinary work and observe an official day for holy assembly, right? So this is the first two, and uh, man, this just, just sounds like a good idea. Um, I'm all about that. I, I think this is, this is very anti-American because we don't like to take breaks. We don't, like, we don't like holiday. We need to learn a lot from our European friends where they take holidays a lot. Um, I, I think that we should take that. We like to work ourselves to death. And we don't know what a Sabbath means. Uh, we just think it's like, wasn't that like the day of church and all that good stuff? No, it's supposed to be rest. It's supposed to be rest for your soul. It's a good thing. But here's the Lord instituting these festivals for its celebration. And it's also a time of, of rest. It's, it's good for us. It's good for our souls. But there's the first two. Jesus, in his fulfillment of these, Jesus... Um, Passover being freedom from slavery, freedom from bondage. Jesus offered us freedom from sin or a rescue or redemption through his sacrifice on the cross. Matthew 26, um, verses 17 through 27. I'm just going to cite that uh, cross-reference. We just went through it on last Sunday. Okay, that's the, that's the Passover meal with Jesus, that Jesus had with his disciples, okay? That's just Matthew's account of that. But he talks about that, that having, celebrating that Passover meal and then the Feast of Unleavened Bread. So we see these things mentioned throughout the New Testament as well. The Unleavened Bread um, speaks of haste. And Jesus, where he ties into this, his, again, I, uh, I've already said this, but his sinless life uh, plus his burial, and it would... Um, create an image for us of sanctification, okay? Now, as a Christian, um, you and I are not going to be sinless. We're just not going to be. And in fact, a little bit later, we're going to see in one of the other festivals that sin is going to be a part of what we do, okay? Now, we are free from the, the tyranny and the bondage of sin. We've been set free from that through Jesus and his death, burial, and resurrection, okay? We're no longer slaves to that, but it is something that through the sanctification process that Jesus has us on, we will continue to wrestle with and fight until the day we die or we are raptured out of here, okay? So if you're striving to live a perfect life, I'm going to tell you right now, the best thing you could do to yourself is just realize you can't be perfect. And in fact, your efforts to try to be perfect is probably sinful because that's pride and that's arrogance, and you just got to surrender and be like, you know what, Lord, this is who I am. I'm sorry. And then you just keep telling sorry every single day if you have to. Just own it. But you got to be free. You got to be free, set free. It's for freedom that you've been set free. I had somebody in Bible college tell me, like, no, we're not sinners anymore. I was like, well, I'm still a sinner. Um, he's like, no, dude, I don't, I never sin. 
I got saved, I gave my life to Jesus. I never sin anymore. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, I, what, uh, what's your secret? Because I still got issues. I still got problems. Like, what's your, well, the, the issue was he didn't understand the word of God. The issue was he kind of just deceived himself. And I think that realization hopefully dawned on him pretty quickly that, no, we, we still, every single day of our lives, we will always need Jesus as our redeemer. We just will. You can turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 5, if you don't mind. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Actually, go to, I'm sorry, go 2 Corinthians 7.1. I wrote myself notes. This is the first one. Okay. 2 Corinthians 7 verse 1, Paul to the church of Corinth says this, because we have these promises, dear friends, let us cleanse ourselves from everything that can defile our body or spirit. Let us work toward Complete holiness because we fear God. This is that purging of the yeast in our lives. This means this. You have to have a a proactive role within your relationship with God. Okay? You can't just be like, wake up every day and be like, okay, God, take it all away from me. He's like, well, but you're going to show up and do your part, right? Because you make the choices. We make the choices. Paul tells the church there, he's like, we got to cleanse ourselves. You don't make yourself right, but you do make decisions that will either lead to, you know, being fit for the master's use within his house, as he would uh, write to in First or Second Timothy there, or we will make choices to defile ourselves. It's up to us. But Paul's saying, no, let us cleanse ourselves from everything that can defile our body or spirit. Let us work toward complete holiness because we fear God. Now, you can go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 7 through 8. Here's a much more specific reference concerning this getting rid of the yeast. 1 Corinthians 5, 7 through 8 says, get rid of, all, get rid of the old yeast by removing this wicked person from among you. Oh, you will need context. Just, just go back into chapter 5. Um, yeah, that's... Uh, guy hooking up with the stepmom within the church, and oh, it's just a mess. It's a mess. But Paul's like, get rid of the yeast. That's yeast in the church. Why are you allowing it? Get rid of it. Wait, we can't kick people out of church. Oh, you can, and you probably should. It probably should happen more often than what it does. Now, I'm not saying they're kicked out forever, but there is a thing called church discipline, and it's a good thing when done right, when done right. I've been a part of the wrong side of that story. I've been a part of the right side of that story, okay? Get rid of the old yeast by removing the wicked person from among you. Then you will be like fresh batch, a fresh batch of dough made without yeast, which is what you really are. Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed for us. So let us celebrate the festival, not with the old bread of wickedness and evil, but with the new bread of sincerity and truth. Christians should be some partying fools, for Jesus. All right, go back to Leviticus. First fruits, the first harvest. This is verse nine, nine through 14. This is the next one here happening in Nisan and on the 17th of Nisan. Then the Lord said to Moses, give the following instructions to the people of Israel. When you enter the land, I'm giving you the promised land and you harvest its first crops, bring the priest a bundle of grain from the first cutting of your, of your grain harvest. 
On the day after the Sabbath, the priest will lift it up before the Lord so it may be accepted on your behalf. On the same day, you must sacrifice a one-year-old male lamb with no defects as a burnt offering to the Lord. With it, you must present a grain offering consisting of four quarts of choice flour moistened with olive oil. It will be a special gift, a pleasing aroma to the Lord. You must also offer one quart of wine as a liquid offering. Do not eat any bread or roasted grain or fresh kernels on that day until you bring this offering to your God. This is a permanent law for you, and it must be observed from generation to generation wherever you live. So this is the celebration of the first harvest or the first fruits. Notice this happens uh, a few days after the um, festival of unleavened bread. So this first fruit also is a representation of when the Israelites crossed the Red Sea. God split that thing, not the Reed Sea, which is shallower, but the Red Sea, which is deeper, both miracles, if they happened, okay? If he parted a little creek and millions of people were able to pass through on dry land, still a miracle, pretty impressive. But the Red Sea, which is where it happened, uh, incredible. This is also part of like the reminder of that. Jesus serves as, you know, the fulfillment here is his resurrection. The first fruits of new creation. The word there, the term, uh, terminology there for us is consecration. Living, a new, living in newness of life as a new creation in Christ Jesus. That's our celebration for this. So what I'm going to have you do is jump back over into 1 Corinthians. There's a lot in 1 Corinthians here, okay? Which makes me think like eventually one of these days we're going to be going through the book of 1 Corinthians. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, I should probably tell you which verse and which or chapter and verse. Uh, chapter 15, verse 20. 1 Corinthians, it's a fun book. It's a really fun book. And uh, man, if there's, if there's a book that helps you remain humble, it's 1 Corinthians and you're like, holy cow. Um, this is what the, yeah, this is the church and all its beauty and flaws. Um, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 20 through 23 says this, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. So you see, just as death came into the, uh, into the world through a man, now the resurrection from the dead has begun in another man. Just as every, everyone dies because we all belong to Adam, everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. But there is an order to this resurrection. Christ was raised at the first of the harvest. There we go then all who belong to Christ will be raised when he comes back. So again, Paul addressing the church there, but just reminding them, look, what was stated in the Old Testament has been fulfilled in Jesus. And resurrection is a reality. It's a reality for if you, if you pass away before the rapture of Christ, you, you, resurrection is, is a reality for you for those loved ones who are in Christ Jesus. Um, now we can go into a lot of eschatology type stuff with what about the unsaved? And I'm speaking specifically of believers right now. Um, there is hope for you. Born twice, die once, right? That, that's that's kind of what you want, right? Not born once, die twice. That's not what you want. You want to be born twice, born again. Uh, and then if you pass away before the rapture and before this whole thing ends, you'll be resurrected. You have been resurrected in one sense because the old you was buried and you were raised to new life in Christ Jesus. That's part of this whole 
um, surrendering your life to Jesus, and then baptism signifies that in, in just a beautiful way. Um, but resurrection is reality for us, and Christ is our resurrection, and he, was the, he fulfilled this first fruits, his harvest, festival of uh, first harvest through his resurrection. Kind of cool. The last spring one, this is Pentecost. Sivan 7 is the, would be the month and the day. It says, from the day after the Sabbath, this is verse 15, the day you bring the bundle of grain to be lifted up as a special offering, count off seven full weeks. Keep counting until the day after the seventh Sabbath. 50 days later, Pentecost means 50, okay? Pentecost means 50. Then present an offering of new grain to the Lord. From wherever you live, here's the key, bring two loaves of bread, two loaves of bread, to be lifted up before the Lord as a special offering. Make these loaves from four quarts of choice flour and bake them with yeast. What? Oh, yeah. Hey, guess what, church? Yeast is in, is in, is in the midst of what we do. <laughs> we're, not, we're not, you know, yeast-free here. The church is not free of, of sin. There's sin in the church. Oh, no, who is it? No, no, it's us. It's all of us, okay? Now, I'm not talking about specific sins and all that good stuff. We deal with that. That happens sometimes. I'm just talking about we wrestle with sin. We wrestle with sin. What I love about this is you've got two loaves of bread, Jews, Gentiles, both loaves cooked with yeast, both offered up to the Lord as an offering. Pentecost, Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 2, People getting saved like crazy. The whole book of Acts. You see that? When, when the spirit falls on the Gentiles, that, that second loaf of bread whoosh, got lifted up. It's amazing. Fulfilled. They will be an offering to the Lord from the first of your crops. Along with the bread, present one seven-year-old male, or present seven, sorry, one-year-old male lambs with no defects, one uh, young bull, two rams, and two rams as a burnt offerings to the Lord, as burnt offerings to the Lord. Blah. These, uh, I've had four cups of coffee today. So if I'm moving quick, that's why my, whew, the blood is flowing. Um, it's probably not a good idea for me to drink four cups of coffee to eat before church day, but you know, that's my day. Um, the burnt offerings together with the grain offerings and liquid offerings will be a special gift, a pleasing aroma to the Lord. Then you must offer one male goat as a sin offering and two one-year-old male lambs as a peace offering, okay? The priest will lift up the two lambs as a special offering to the Lord together with the loaves representing the first of your crops. These offerings, which are holy to the Lord, belong to the priest. That same day will be proclaimed as an official day for a holy assembly, a day on which no ordin uh, you will do no ordinary work. This is a permanent law for you. It must be observed from generation to generation, wherever you live, okay? Same, same thing, doesn't matter. You take these things with you. When you harvest the crops of your land, do not harvest the grain along the edges of your field and do not pick up what the harvesters drop. Leave it for the poor and the foreigners living among you. I am the Lord, your God. So again, even within the festivals and the festival of harvest, God is saying, which we see this lived out in the book of Ruth, OK? 
okay? A tremendous rule, a great law that God himself instituted. Why? Because he cares about, he cares about those who don't have that much and he cares about the foreigners who are living among them. He's like, don't be greedy, but it's my field. It's my crops. Technically, it's not. It's God's. Pastor James Grizzle has been making his way through the book of Leviticus here on Bread for the Broken. Leviticus can be a tough book to get through with all of its rules and regulations, and sometimes it can be hard to see why we should learn any of that at all today. But every book in the Old Testament points to the person of Jesus. Several of the chapters in Leviticus deal with people who have sinned unintentionally and then later come to realize their sin. God lays out for them the steps to take in order to receive forgiveness. Now, the people of Israel brought sacrifices to the priests to pay for those sins. But we have a great high priest in Jesus who offered himself as a sacrifice. Leviticus 6-7 says, And the priest shall make atonement for him before the Lord, and he shall be forgiven. How amazing is it that we have this great high priest who has atoned for all of our sins? The mission of Bread for the Broken is to help people find hope and new life in Jesus. If you'd like to join us in that mission, we have an opportunity for you to donate and to help us spread the word. Head on over to breadforthebroken.com to join us in the mission today. Once again, that's breadforthebroken.com. While you're there, you can explore all of the other messages and share them with your friends. And if you're in the Galveston, Texas area, we'd love to see you in a service at Calvary Galveston. We're here Sundays at 10 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. But if you can't make it, we stream all of our services on Facebook. Well, we're out of time for today. We'll see you again next time here on Bread for the Broken. Let me paint the picture of you, man.